Welcome to the Earth Keepers podcast. This podcast is for people who seek new and better ways to love and care for the Earth. It's a podcast for anyone who is deeply concerned about the harm being done to the environment on a local and global level. It's a podcast that builds community and connection between people of like heart and mind, people who believe that Earth care should be integrated into every aspect of life, and for many in the Earth Keepers community, that includes our spiritual practices. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Ryan Metzger, the CEO of Ridwell, a groundbreaking organization that is pioneering a different approach to recycling and repurposing. Ryan and his young son, Owen, co-founded this growing company that now helps people by picking up materials and items that recycling companies normally don't take. They saw a problem and took risks to try new ways to solve it with innovative business model solutions. Today, they're on a mission to empower neighbors and communities to build a less wasteful future. Ridwell is a service that makes it easy to waste less. And we do that by complementing city-provided services by picking up things for reuse and recycling that are not offered other ways. So it's everything from plastic bags and batteries and light bulbs and clothing and all these things that could have a destination other than a landfill. We find those destinations for people and we pick them up from their doorsteps so they can waste less and help the community at the same time. Welcome, friends, to the Earth Keepers podcast. Today, we have with us Ryan Metzger of Ridwell. And Ryan, when you look at the purpose, the vision of Ridwell, how do you see it fitting into the bigger picture of, of Earth Care? I think it's an important role. You know, it's a very tangible thing. Like when you get rid of something, where are you putting it? Where is it going? And, you know, that's kind of how I began Ridwell is I had that challenge in my own home where I had stuff piling up. We had a room in our house that had, you know, the clothes we didn't need anymore, the styrofoam that showed up, all that stuff. And so there was a value in my home not to just bury it in a landfill, but rather to do something productive with it. And so I decided just taking that places and I actually brought my son Owen along with me. And so we created a little project called Owen. List that would eventually turn into Ridwell. But it was really around that fundamental belief that our earth is important. We need to take care of it. And there are better ways than burying things in the ground. Um, there's reuse whenever we can do it, which is a great way to get rid of things such that it keeps being used in, in communities. And then there's recycling if that's not possible, which is another way to, to keep things from landfills as well. Well, we'll talk a lot more about the details of what Ridwell does, but I'm interested to know a bit more about you. And I'm thinking about how it is that you actually developed the values for earth care. Maybe you could talk about your relationship to the environment and maybe some early influences that, that shape you to who you are today. Definitely. So I, I grew up in the Seattle area. This area has been, I think, forward-looking in, in environmentalism for a long time now. And so that was something that was kind of passed down to me, mostly from, from my parents and my mom specifically, who's, who was a teacher for, for many years. And, you know, I remember I had a paper out when I was a kid and she would often come with me and would sort of remark on families that were larger. You know, they had four kids plus, et cetera. And, you know, look at their tiny little garbage can. Like, that's so great that they have sort of found a way to, to not have a lot of waste in their world. So those memories stick with you as, as you grow. Then I went to college and uh, near the Chicago in that area. And, you know, they didn't, they had far less recycling than, than we had in the Seattle suburbs. And so then, but you're used to it. So what do you do? And so I was the kid in my, you know, off-campus apartment, I would collect my newspaper and my cans and things like that. And I would drive them places because once you start having those habits, it's sort of, you're aware of the actions that, that happen and you can take, et cetera. So that's something I would do as, as, as a college student. Um, and then fast forwarding, you know, you have, we have our own kids now. I have 
have two sons who are almost five and then nine. What are we teaching them? I mean, sort of looking back upon how I was taught and brought up and how do we take care of things and, and know that there's resources are limited and, and there's a lot of good that can come if we try to waste less. So there's something really compelling about the story of Ridwell, and you make that pretty overt in your marketing material. Just, you know, what are the roots of this organization? Where did it come from? And your son has a lot to do with that. Can you tell us more about how the idea for the company was born and how it continues to grow as well? The idea was just solving a problem we had in our house and trying to make it an activity that, uh, you know, Owen, who then was six, he and I could do together. And so it was just going through the piles that we had accumulated and said, well, what, what happens to these clothes when we're done with them? Like, are there community members who can use them? And then, you know, we'd talk about that. And then we would post on local neighborhood groups near where we live and say, well, we found a partner for clothing. We found a partner for batteries or light bulbs or whatever it might be. Do you have stuff we can take? Because there's another form of waste that relates to environmentalism too around just wasted transportation and, you know, taking one person's stuff in one, you know, car. Why not take 20 people? and fill that car. That's a, a better use of resources than do, you know, everyone doing it themselves. That's sort of how it began. We would just do it with one category and then, you know, mostly a weekend project sort of thing and you take some stuff and we'd go out for a milkshake or something like that afterwards. And then the next week we would have something else. And what was really special about that experience too is you start to put the, the ideas from, from the community together. And then we started learning about ideas that we didn't even know about. And then we would offer to others. And so the, it just sort of grew from there in a very natural way where, you know, someone would say, well, I have eyeglasses. Do you have a partner for that, Owen and, and, and Ryan? And you know, we, well, we don't, but let's look. And we found one. And, and sure enough, my wife and I had an old pair of glasses that we had, their one was cracked and, you know, not the right prescription. Like, great, here's, a, you know, solving something in our house by an idea that came from someone else. And so those stories happened over and over again and, and Ridwell really grew and grew and, or sorry, Owen's list. And then we said, well, how can we do this at more scale? And that's where a few others joined on our journey and, and started Ridwell a little over two years ago. And in two years, you've grown quite a bit. In fact, I would say as a Ridwell customer, the Ridwell box that I keep on my front porch is kind of a, a badge of honor. My neighbors come and ask about that and they say, oh, how can we get one? <laughs> I understand that you're actually expanding now into Portland. We are. We did added Portland recently and in the Seattle area where we started, you know, we began in just few communities in Seattle proper and have grown. Now we're up to Everett um, up north and we, we go down south to Kent and areas like that. I and mean, we did just add Portland. So it was, it was our second market where we have a warehouse and have a nice set of customers that began service about two months ago down there. Are you thinking eventually that you might continue to expand? Is that the hope? It's the hope. Yeah. I mean, it's very powerful to see kind of how the community has embraced it in Portland and Seattle, not only from, you know, like you mentioned, people would see it, your box, you know, how do I get one like that? We've grown very um, organically through word of mouth that way. But then also some of those partnerships and those ideas that, that come to us as well from the community, it's been been really motivating to see some of those and, you know, nonprofits would, would come to us and say, I have a need for winter coats or, or whatever the case may be. And, and then we can provide that need through the growing member base that we have in now two communities. So the way Ridwell works from a customer perspective is every so often I'm told it's time for a Ridwell pickup and there's normal things that I put out. Fabric, for example, I always have plastic film to put out, but then you also have a special category of things. But that's kind of all I know. I'm guessing that networks that Ridwell is embedded in of other service providers, other, I think, nonprofits, uh, even charities. 
is much bigger. And you do call attention to some of that on the website. It's very helpful. But I'm wondering when you look at the impact, the broader impact of Ridwell, what are some of the other ways that Ridwell is doing good and fomenting change? I think there's a couple of things I'll mention. One is just in the amount that we're taking that might have gone to landfills or might have been piling up in people's homes, depending on what the category is. So we count track all that stuff. And so we've diverted over a million pounds to reuse and recycling in the Seattle market since we began. So I think that's an obvious one. I think it also is just creating more awareness of, you know, the fact that actions that I take, though might be small on their own in the grand scheme of things, they add up. And so we've seen families that say, well, you know, gosh, it was just me on my block. And then the next day I saw there's two more and then two more. And, you know, suddenly they, you know, see a picture from our warehouse and and it's filled to the brim of bales and bales of plastic film. Well, it's got to start somewhere. And I think there's something inspirational that people have, have drawn from. And I certainly take inspiration from it around small actions adding up. And we're all sort of in this together. And, you know, the more that we kind of bring our resources and come together for the planet and the community, uh, that good things can happen. And so we hope to kind of also provide some hope and inspiration for people about what's possible when people come together. One of the projects that Ridwell has done that inspired my daughter actually had to do with providing clothing at one point, but also I think shampoo and such and and women's health products to assuming shelters and different service providers. I'm wondering about that angle as well. Is that something that is core to the Ridwell model? Definitely. So just a little bit of a, um, some more information on how our product, our service works. So pickups are every two weeks. And every two weeks, we have four categories that are all the time. And you mentioned some of them. So that's where the plastic film comes in. That's where the clothing and shoes comes in. That's where household batteries and light bulbs. So those are all the time for people. And so every two weeks, they can request a pickup for those. Then the fifth one, which is what you were asking about, was what we call our featured category. And so that is a new one where, you know, you get notification in advance and you get a calendar and so you can see what's upcoming. And whenever we can, we feature categories that do involve reuse that benefit the community. So we've done personal hygiene items. We've done winter coats. We've done books, uh, children's books and stuff like that. So we're always looking for partners that have a need that, that our members can help with. And it's really a, a, an important part of what we do. We actually have a closet now that's dedicated to potential Ridwell categories <laughs> that might show up in the future. You're giving us a sensibility, really, that, ah, these are reusable, and it would be not too practical for us to collect this certain item and try to find a place on on our own. I don't have time for that, really. But, you know, chances are Ridwell's going to collect that someday. So we've been doing that. But also in that same closet, we have a box that's set aside for donating to our local resale store to Goodwill. So again, it's that repurposing mentality that being part of Ridwell has helped us to be a lot more aware of. Yeah. So it's really been generative, almost in an educational sense, as much as it's helped us to really reuse materials and recycle materials. Well, good. That, that's great to hear. Yeah, if it, if We can provide educational opportunities and inspiration for people to kind of think differently about stuff, that then we've accomplished a lot of what we've set out to do. For those people who are listening from all over the world, and there are a lot of them, I don't want them to feel like uh, if they don't live in the Seattle or Portland area, that they just uh, don't have the opportunity to take advantage of this kind of thing. So I am wondering if you know of other endeavors like this in other cities, and, and if you see this as a potential trend. 
Yeah, I'm not aware of anyone who's exactly like us. Doesn't mean that there isn't. But one community that I'll, I'll bring up that actually was a lot of where Owen and I would sort of post and, and get inspiration from, there's something called the Buy Nothing Project. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it, it typically lives in Facebook and it's based on where you live. And so that's people that are getting rid of things. And rather than just throw it in the garbage or, or have it sit idly at their home, they'll post a picture of it and say, here's a, a mug that I don't need anymore. Would anyone like it? And then a neighbor would come and get it. So even if Ridwell doesn't exist where your listeners are, there could be a buy nothing group in, in those communities. And it could be something that they could use to start circulate reusable goods within their communities to others who could use them. I just gave away a calculator this morning through buy nothing, actually. Oh, fantastic. It's just a mentality when you stop and think, wait a second, you know, what can really happen with this? If I don't need it, surely someone needs it. But I'm wondering if you think it might be possible. You, you made this point about driving that in some ways, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for one person to try to kind of do lots of different recycling by delivering bits and pieces here and there. It just It's not efficient and not a good use of time either. Is it possible for people to do something along the lines of what you and Owen did, where you actually band together and start to make more of a collective effort with friends and neighbors? Most definitely. Yeah. And I encourage th those types of efforts, whether it's with a kid that you might have or with a, anyone, anyone, a couple friends gearing up or even just a person by themselves. Most definitely. I think that's a great thing to do. And it starts with an awareness of what do people have in their home that might be reused or recycled? And then who might be a partner who could take that and could do that for people? So if there's a the intersection of those two and, and someone wants to kind of post and do it, I think that's fantastic. It's a great way to sort to, to, to build community spirit and to do some good in the process by reusing and recycling things around them. I like the mention of community there because it is so often, I think, for people who care about the earth and who want to make a difference, it can be discouraging and disheartening to think that you're on your own, to try to do some of these things, believing that your individual effort actually can make a difference. But I agree with you that when you think about it in terms of bringing others along and, and sharing the work together and multiplying the work by involving lots of people, not only do you find friends of like mind and like heart, you also um, do, again, have a bigger impact. And so I think if there's nothing else people take away from this, it's that inspiration point of think about your community and what you can do together, whether it's recycling, repurposing, or what have you. So I'm wondering, is this a model that you actually created or have you heard about something like Ridwell happening elsewhere that you emulated? We saw what was popular in, with Owen's List. We saw the categories that were out there. We saw how it might work from an efficiency standpoint and you know doing pickups on the same day, but being around you. I, I would say we more kind of stitched together a series of ideas together and they became Ridwell. So I'm not aware of any, but it, it, you know, it's, there's no huge technological breakthroughs or anything like that. I think it's just kind of being focused on what is the mission? What are people interested in? What are they willing to do in service of that mission? And, and how can you do it in a way that's really easy, such that even children can take part as well. Hey, friends, we've been in conversation with Ryan Metzger, co-founder and CEO of Ridwell. As you know, becoming a better friend to the earth involves educating ourselves about environmental issues and discovering ways to make a difference through our actions. If you want to learn more about this inspiring story of grassroots innovation to solve a community problem, and to understand more about how this model works, 
go to the Ridwell site at www.ridwell.com. That's R-I-D-W-E-L-L, all one word, dot com. So, if you found anything challenging or inspiring in this episode so far, be sure to access these resources to learn more. And who knows, maybe you'll find inspiration and ideas to work with others in your community to invent creative new ways to do earthkeeping together. And now let's get back to our conversation with Brian Metzger. When you look at the impact that this experience has had on Owen and continues to have, I'm wondering if you can point to some of the ways that maybe he's been formed by the experience. I look at it from the outside of the situation, and I think what a powerful influence for him to understand that he can see a problem and that he actually has the capacity to innovate and make something happen. In other words, he's not limited by the status quo, limited by the restrictions and the way that things have always been, but rather he has the capacity with you and with others to invent a new way forward that actually works. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, you know, he's still forming what his passions are and what his interests are. He's now in, in third grade, but um, he kind of has an inclination towards technology and those types of things. And, you know, that's where a lot of invention will come from. And so if he can look back upon the stories that, you know, we had together and the, the, like the memories and things like that, and then take that and say, gosh, I, if I have a problem that I'm dealing with, you know, that there might be others and let me invent a solution, you know, with a new app that does it or a new service or something like that. Hopefully he'll have some memories that he can look back upon that can, can be inspirational there too. I think one of the important things to point out about the Redwell model is the fact that it is sustainable, that there is a financial model underneath this that actually makes it worth your while and actually allows you to think about expanding to other markets. Can you describe what that's about and maybe in a more meta level, what is the potential actually of business approaches for this kind of change? We think of ourselves as being member supported. As you know, as, as a Ridwell member, there's a subscription, a monthly subscription that people pay for these pickups that happen every two weeks. And so that's between 10 and $18 a month, depending on the plan that people choose. And then we have a number of larger categories we've added that people can pay as a one-off, whether we'll offer paint sometime or styrofoam or things like that. And so those are, you know, $5 for something or $9 for another category, that type of thing. But it begins with a subscription. And and really, that's been kind of a great way to do it. We've tried to make it as accessible as we can and try to price it low. And sometimes people can even offset the membership fee by having a lower garbage bill because they've been able to kind of go down a size. So we're really about the long term. We're really proud that our customers have been around as long as they have. Um, it's pretty rare that once someone starts that they stop using it. And so that was partially because we designed it to be what people see as a good value and, and some and they're proud to continue to support. Tell us about the, the partnerships and relationships that Ridwell is embedded in. I'm wondering if you perhaps have found yourself in the society of other people who are innovative in a similar way or, or other people who are trying to find new ways to, to solve environmental problems like this. Readwell doesn't exist and Owens List wouldn't exist if there were not partners. Partners are crucial to what we do. And so there are some that, you know, we, we knew about and then others that come across. And so I find a lot of inspiration from hearing those stories of who are partners that are doing cool things that we can work with and get them supplies and enable them to do even even more good for, for communities and for the environment. A few minutes ago, I was talking to someone who's got a tool library that's you know, doing amazing work by, you know, providing tools that can be reused by people instead of everyone buying a new thing 
learning and people in the community that don't have access to tools and things like that. So, you know, that's just one of many that I just had today. But we hear partner stories all the time and it's 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 really inspirational and something that's essential to what we do is, is empowering those partners to continue to do good work. Do you have stories that you could point to from Ridwell customers where you have heard about changes in them, changes in their their habits or their way of thinking? Yeah, we get stories quite often. And there's some that are related to children in the house and how, you know, our chief Ridwell officer in our house is a five-year-old who, you know, is really into this. We had one where I have a younger son who's almost five. I mean, there was a girl in his class who it was her birthday. And one of the things she really wanted was Ridwell. And I thought that was such a great story. And then I see her mom when I drop off my youngest son and it's like, oh, it was our day today. And she gathered all the stuff and she was so proud to do it. So we see those stories. You know, we see other families that say, you know, I forgot to put out my garden garbage because we didn't have any last week. That's amazing. Like those types of things where we've seen the impact in a very tangible way about how much waste they're they're creating. So yeah, there's there's stories often and it usually involves families who have seen the impact that, that using Redwall has provided to their family and to others. I'm wondering about COVID and what impact you have seen. Um, some businesses, of course, have been decimated by, by the pandemic. Has Redwell seen any impact in terms of what's going on? COVID kind of hit the U.S. first in the Seattle area back in March, and we really didn't know what to expect, frankly. There was lockdowns, and, and how is this going to work? So things kind of were a little bit in flux for a while as people were just sort of figuring out what that meant. But the trends we've seen are around more usage, actually, not less. So people are home, they're not traveling, they're getting more things delivered to them. So there's more packaging that we can help recycle. We've had featured categories like food takeout extras is one we've done where, you know, you get food takeout or food delivery, and it comes with forks and spoons that you don't need because you're home. So what do you do with those? Well, food banks need those. So, you know, we've seen usage go up. We've seen some featured categories that have become more prominent. It. We've tried to use our platform for good during this period because a lot of people are struggling. And so right when it began, we did some pickups that were very community oriented from a COVID standpoint things like cleaning supplies and stuff like that we've collected. We also did canned food in the early days as food banks were really, really low on supplies. So our members gave us 20,000 pounds of food over a two-week period that we distributed to local food banks. So uh, I think it was sort of just study the situation, see what's happening. We saw usage go up and then we kind of flipped it and said, well, how can we use our platform for good? And so we found some categories that were able to do that. I like that. Really having that flexibility to expand into new new areas of service, really. You know, you mentioned the plastic cutlery that comes with uh, fast food. I have been paying attention to that. We try to avoid getting that in the first place, but I've been looking at solutions that people have been coming up with. And there's a service apparently in New York now where uh, you can actually have the, the restaurants have your food delivered uh, in reusable containers. So the containers get returned actually the next time you order something, but it can go to any restaurant who uses that service. When I saw that uh, the the news piece about that service, I thought about Ridwell because again, it's this using innovative thinking and a business model to actually solve a problem in a way that wasn't purely dependent on people's goodwill, right? On on uh, everyone becoming environmentalists overnight, but it really was something that was sustainable because there was this business model built into it. So I'm wondering when you think about the future of Ridwell, clearly you have been kind of dabbling at the edges with these different projects for good, as you call them. Do you see that Ridwell potentially could head into some other connected areas to the services they already offer? 
One of our pieces of our mission is to create new reuse and recycling opportunities that are possible because of our model. And so we're always on the lookout for what those might be. Our members play a huge role in that and that they follow along, they, uh, you know, see what we can and can't take. They help us by pre-sorting things in bags that we provide to them. So with that in mind and our growing scale and our network of logistics and drivers and vans and things like that, there's a lot of possibilities we can do. And we're, we're just very much in the early days of that. So we hope to both serve more people spreading to more areas, but then also do more things for those that we serve as well. So I'm optimistic that we can add even more ways for, for you and your family to waste less, as well as serve more of your listeners in other geographies as well. And we'll definitely link to the Ridwell site in the podcast show notes. But again, thinking about our global audience, what would you say to folks in Colombia or Uganda or Belgium? Uh, if they're asking, based on what they've heard today, what is it that I can do? Yeah, I, I think there's an, a potential educational opportunity in everything you're looking to get rid of. And so just start, it just begins by asking questions. So I'm throwing away this, you know, set of takeout food uh, extras. Is there another option? Uh, and so just, you know, no matter where you live, figuring what that is. And as you mentioned earlier, like maybe you want to band together with some community members and collect quantities of that and deliver it to a part. There's lots of things that can happen, but it really begins with just being, you know, looking at things through a, a from, from questioning standpoint and saying, well, what can happen to this rather than throwing it away and then kind of letting the market take you wherever that goes. And I think uh, when I hear that answer, my mind immediately goes to children because as you've several times now mentioned, it's easy to get children involved in these things, not just as as make work, but really helping children to be imaginative and creative to become problem solvers themselves. Most definitely. Yeah. And, and we try to you know involve children wherever we can. And we designed our bags. So even if you can't read yet, you still can see that those are batteries on that little bag. And so that's where you put the batteries. So even my youngest son is, plays an active role in that in our house. And he knows that when batteries are done, he knows where to put it. And he does it himself. And I give him a high five. And so I think it's important to involve children wherever possible because they're, they're really the future. Can you tell us more about that thought that children are the future? What can we be doing now to actually create a generation of, of what we would call earth keepers who have more understanding, more uh, sensibility toward ecology than perhaps our generation had growing up? What can be done? Yeah, I mean, there's so much more knowledge out there and research that's been done than, than even when, you know, when I was in school. So I, I think just sharing at, at their level, like what, you know, how do things work? How does climate change affect us? Like, how are we contributing to it um, such that they are just more mindful in the decisions they make from a very early days? So it could be things like, you know, in the the waste sector that we're, you know, loosely in, like, I, what I get rid of, that needs to go somewhere. And so just, you know, create a, a sort of learning mindset in them, uh, given all the new knowledge that is out there, you know, even more so than, than again, when we were kids, when it was kind of you know, reuse, reuse, recycle, that was kind of what we knew. But now we kind of know how it's connected to bigger things and, and bigger challenges that, that uh, you know, our, our world faces. My daughter is in her first year of, of college. And I know that her generation in some ways has struggled with with hopelessness when they think about the future, think about climate change, et cetera. And I don't know that that her generation, at least a good part of it, has grown up with a sense of, of hope, a sense of agency, uh, a sense that, yes, things are bad and may get worse, but that's not 
something to accept, that there are actually ways to engage those needs. Do you think that your son's generation might have a different perspective? I hope so. I mean, it is sometimes hard to find hope in, in things that happen, you know, in, in the Pacific Northwest where we both live. If you remember the smoke the other last summer as it sort of came in and the wildfires, it's hard to sort of look at that and say, gosh, is this only going to get worse? But if we have that attitude, then it, it will get worse and, and it won't get better. So I have some optimism that younger people actually will be the force for change and that they will be the ones that lead us forward. And so it's important to tell my kids that and, and any, anyone who will listen that we think we can make a difference. And it takes our consumption choices. It takes who we vote for. It takes causes we support. And all of that stuff together is really what it's going to take to create a, a planet that can last for you know many, many generations to come. We've been talking to Ryan Metzger of Ridwell. If you want to know more about the Ridwell story and to check out other resources that will encourage you to develop new approaches to earthkeeping in your own community, please go to the show notes on our podcast website at www.circlewood.online forward slash earthkeepers. And if you want to leave a note or ask a question about this episode, or about anything really, you can leave a quick voice message through the link on the podcast website, and I'll be sure to get back to you. Earthkeepers podcast explores ways in which we can change ourselves, our communities, and our cultures to help us to care for the earth in holistic and regenerative ways. Through curated conversations, we highlight the wisdom of thought leaders and change agents who are making a difference and showing us a way forward. When Earthkeepers stand together, they amplify the impact of their resistance against environmental injustice and multiply their efforts for renewal and restoration. I am Forrest Dinsley, your podcast host. Our executive producer is James Amidon. Our producer is Dave Olfers. Forrest Reed is our editor and the creator of our original music. Our research assistant is Rochelle Nordman, and Jessalyn Megerly is our social media director. Thank you, friends, for listening. And please join us next time on the Earthkeepers podcast. Keepers podcast.